You may know him for his 17 number one hits, his role in the legendary movie Urban Cowboy, or for his theater in Branson, where he has performed so many shows throughout the years. It is an honor to welcome country music legend Mickey Gilly to the Honky Tonk Time Machine tonight. Mickey, thank you so much for being a part of this. It is really something special to have you on. Hey, it's a pleasure and honor to be on your show. I don't mind telling you it's been a wonderful ride for yours truly. And I might be an old uh, country, worn-out country music singer, but uh, I'm still out there on the road uh, pumping the songs out for the folks. No doubt about it. In fact, I think you're sitting right next to Johnny Lee, who you know from your urban cowboy days, and you guys uh, were going on tour together before this coronavirus stopped everything, right? Well, you're right. About two and a half years ago, uh, I uh, called Johnny up. And I had a deal with uh, Craig Cooper there in Branson, Missouri, to uh, uh, perform on the uh, shows that Mel Tillis had dropped out on. And I asked him, I said, um, I said, Clay, I said, uh, Mel Tillis is a pretty big star. And he says, well, you are too. I said, I've been in Branson for 25 years. He's going to come hear me sing, you know. I said, wait a minute. Let me see if I can get my friend Johnny Lee and we can put something together with the Urban Cowboy music. And uh, so I called Johnny up and Johnny said, yeah, I'll do it with you. So we went into the theater and uh, we had a blast, had a great time. And uh, for the last three and a half years, we've been doing a, a tour called the Urban Cowboy Reunion Tour. It's too bad we couldn't get, uh, like, maybe Charlie Daniels or Bonnie Raitt or somebody to join us and make it a threesome, but uh, we've been having a great time, and it's been uh, great fun for both of us. Now, are the rest of the dates on that going to be canceled, made up? Do you know yet at this point? Uh, we're trying to make up some dates, and this is the last year for the Urban Cowboy Reunion Tour. It don't mean that me and Johnny's not going to be working together, uh, but uh, we're going to drop the Urban Cowboy Reunion Tour and just do our music, you know, for the folks. Johnny's had, uh, you know, uh, so many number one songs that uh, – we can't get them all in in the, the time that we have allotted in most places we play. So we're going to try to split it up and uh, do the, him do his things on the Urban Cowboy and his show, and I'll do the, my songs from the Urban Cowboy and my show, and uh, we'll still be working some days together. Uh, that's a good problem to have, too many number one songs between the two of you. <laughs> well, you know, we, we've been fortunate. Uh, I, I'm, I'm now 84 years old. Johnny's uh, uh, fixing to be uh, – he's at 73, and uh, – you know, we had a good ride in the country music field. In the, in the 80s, we were pretty hot acts. You bet. The 80s, you guys were huge superstars, and a lot of it had to do with Urban Cowboy coming out, which would have been 40 years ago this weekend. 40 years uh, we've been out here performing these songs, and uh, I can't believe it's lasted that long. It's, uh, it's been an unbelievable ride for both of us. Did you know Johnny before Urban Cowboy, or is that when you met him? Yeah, Johnny, was started, Johnny and I started working together back in the 60s. Uh, we worked at a club called the Nessadale Club, and then uh, when I got Gillies in 71, he joined me at the club, and uh, uh, we've been together just about uh, all the way through uh, uh, our musical career. Uh, we split up for a while, but uh, when the uh, things came back around with the Urban Cowboy and the uh, after I finished my, my tenure at the, in Branson at the theater, which I was, uh, we were separated for about 25 years, we put it back together, and it turned out to be a blessing for both of us. How did Urban Cowboy come about? How did they choose Gillies as the place they wanted to be? And, and how did you know? How did they just kind of all come together for you and Johnny? Well, what happened was my business partner installed a mechanical bull when I had to hit with a room full of roses. And I was looking working, went up above city lights. And uh, uh, she's pulling me back again, bring it on home. The girls get pretty close in time. Hey, all of a sudden, uh, you know, I'm on the road with Conway Twitty and Miss Loretta Lynn. And uh, he decided he wanted to try to attract the people from the livestock show and rodeo. And the, and the Pasadena rodeo. So he installed this mechanical bull, which was a, it's a rodeo training device. And he put it there in the club. And uh, I thought it was a mistake at the time. And uh, lo and behold, what was I ever wrong? Because uh, an old boy <laughs> from New York came down from uh, from New York City uh, by the name of uh, Aaron Latham. And he writes this article. It's called it's The Battle of the Urban Cowboy. And I didn't even like the article. But, uh, you know, 
when he told me that we might get a film on that particular thing, uh, I'm thinking, who in the world would ever do a film about the urban cowboy? And he said, John Travolta. When he said John Travolta, I'm thinking, he came off a Saturday Night Fever. Yeah. I said, oh, my God. I mean, it could be a country night fever. And sure enough, uh, John Travolta came down, thanks to our PR firm out in Los Angeles at the time. They went to Paramount Pictures and said, if you want to, you want to make this authentic, you got to go where it happened at. And so they convinced the Paramount Pictures to, to come down and shoot it on location. And, and it's worked ever since for me and Johnny. Yeah, because there was some pushback on John Travolta playing that role, right? Because he was, yeah, he was the Saturday Night Fever guy. He was the Grease guy. He wasn't country, right? Well, you, yeah, I, I heard that, but uh, I think with anybody else doing that lead part, it wouldn't have had the uh, impact. Uh, I think uh, John brought it together with, uh, you know, it could have been called a Country Night Fever, and you know, Johnny Lee had the had the hottest song in the, in the soundtrack with "Looking for Love." Oh yeah, and it was on the, it was it was number one three weeks for him, uh, so it was a blockbuster song and. Uh, of course, I had Stand By Me, but uh, Johnny had the big song, Looking for Love. He, I see him shaking his head up and down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep talking, Gilly. <laughs> keep, blow, keep blowing my horn for me. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, he, he's fixing to go down to uh, um, Ranzer's Pass, I think, and go fishing. That's what he wants to do. So I told him I was going to drive him down and hook one of his friends, and they're going to go fishing. I don't like to fish, and I don't like to hunt. So uh, that's out of, out of my realm of uh, things that I love to do. I, I love to play golf. I can't do that anymore since my age, but... Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, I'm glad to hear you're still getting around really well, you know, doing well enough to go on tour and still just doing what you love at this point in your life. That's awesome. Well, I am. I'm uh, having a chance, you know, to go out and present the music to the folks. Uh, thanks to the country music fans out there. They gave me 17 number one songs. Johnny's had uh, uh, 10, 15, something like that. And uh, when we watch it working together, uh, it has been such a, a fun th- time for all of us. And uh, uh, I'm looking forward to getting back on the road when the virus thing is over with because uh, I'm stir crazy now looking at four walls and TV all the time. <laughs> <laughs> now, I understand that uh, your cousins with Jerry Lee Lewis and, and Jimmy Swaggart, you come from a music royalty family. You know, uh, had not been for my cousin Jerry Lee Lewis, I probably never would have entered the music industry. He came into Houston back when he had a whole lot of shaking. And uh, and I, I'm doing construction work, making a dollar and 25 cents an hour on a construction game. I was struggling. And all of a sudden, uh, you know, he comes down with a whole lot of shaking. I see how well he's doing the music business. And I'm thinking, well, if he can do this, I can too. So I saw him not too long ago at, at his home in, uh, uh, right outside of Memphis there. And I went to see him. And uh, I told him, I said, I got to come see you before I pass, you know, Jerry. And I said, because you, actually, you're my hero. I said, because that's been for you. I probably wouldn't have gotten the music business. So I don't, I don't see Jimmy that much, but uh, I see Jerry Lee about every year or every two years. Very cool. Such an icon, and he's still going, too. In fact, you guys grew up together down in uh, Mississippi, Louisiana, right? Well, we grew up there in Ferdinand, Louisiana. We all three came out of that little small town, Jimmy and Jerry and yours truly. And, uh, you know, the incredible thing about it, uh, we all had success in the music business. Jerry Lee was in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I had 17 number one country songs, and Reverend Swaggart was one of the biggest gospel-selling artists in the world. So, uh, you know, we've been successful with what we've done. And uh, thanks to the people out there that's... That accepted us into uh, you know into their world, and it's been wonderful. Yeah, and the folks from right here in Missouri have really accepted you in. You've been a, a staple out in Branson, which is out west of us here in Cape Girardeau, Missouri. But uh, you, how have you enjoyed your time playing in Branson over the years? The 25 years that I spent there with my friend Joey Riley, who passed away at 43 years old, uh, was some wonderful moments in my life. I think it it helped me become more of a performer and entertainer by having my theater and uh, working with him on stage. Uh, I had a, at one time I had um, a seven piece band. I had a, a four piece horn section, had two girl singers. 
And uh, it was just an awesome time in my life. We was dressing in tuxes, and we were trying to do a classy show, you know, for the folks in Branson. It was a lot of fun. Um, I, I'm, I'm kind of like the fact that, uh, you know, we're still doing the music, but I don't. I have quite as big a group. I got a, a seven-piece band, two girl singers, and me and Johnny on the road together, uh, working uh, with uh, with the band. And um, then we closed with the Urban Cowboy Medley at the end of the show. This is the last year, like I said, but uh, uh, we're gonna hopefully uh, do a couple of days in the fall at uh, my old theater in Branson, Missouri, which I sold to a, a group in China. And uh, I'm hoping that uh, we get to come back in there in the fall. And this will probably be the, the end of my uh, uh, my, my year with in Branson, probably totally. Well, it has been one hell of a run. And on behalf of the state of Missouri, I'd just like to say it's been an honor having you perform in our state on a regular basis for over a quarter century. State's been wonderful to, to me. And uh, I, 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 I love and, and thank all the folks that's come to the, uh, the shows there. That's what's kept me in business. And uh, it's been a great ride. So 17 number one hits, 39 top 10 hits throughout your career, Mickey. Do you have a favorite song that you've recorded of yours? Well, of course, uh, Room Full of Roses will, all, will always be a part of my life because it opened the door for me back in 1974, my first number one record. The girls get pretty close in time. It's such a classic tune. What's the true story of that song? Is, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, Stand By Me was the biggest song I've ever had, probably on account of the film Derby Cowboy. So, you know, my favorite song that I recorded back in the, in the 90s was That's All That Matters to Me by Hank Cochran. All good songs, man. I, I, you said the, <laughs> the true story of don't the girls all get prettier at closing time, man. <laughs> oh, I tell you what, uh, I couldn't, I could not believe that song. You know, uh, I, I'll never forget. I played the song for my friend Conway Twitty, and he says, "I don't think you need to do this, Tim." He said, "Don't you know the ladies buy the most records?" And I said, "Okay, I can go for that." He says, "Well, think about it. You putting put them down, talking about them getting better looking at closing time." I said, "Yeah, but my drinking buddies will love this song because it's a true story." <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I think that's my uh, favorite of yours. I think it is. Such a classic tune. Well, obviously, you're a big Johnny Lee fan. Uh, who else are you a fan of? Well, of course, I'm, I'm a, I'm, Johnny's been like a brother to me for all the years that I've been in the music business. And, uh, of course, uh, I admire my cousin, Jerry Lewis, but I was a big Elvis Presley fan. Oh, yeah, me too. And uh, and I've always uh, enjoyed, you know, the bluesy-type music. That's the reason why I did Bring It On Home. But, uh, um, you know... I, I'm a big fan of my, my, my cousin, uh, Jerry Lee. I loved Elvis. Uh, of course, I've, I've been a fan of uh, Johnny's ever since we started working together back in the 60s. But, uh, uh, you know, uh, my friend T.G. Shepard uh, is a friend of mine. I like his music. Mo Bandy, I like Mo Bandy. Um, Gene Watson, I think Gene Watson's a great singer. Um, I like Reba McIntyre. Um, you know, all the people that I've had a chance to work with, Crystal Gale. Uh, of course, Loretta Lynn, you know, I've worked with her on the road. And boy, what I mean, what a great gal she is. Mm -hmm. And Dolly Parton, uh, you know, they're, they're all these wonderful people in the country music field.